Welcome to GYN Corner with Dr. McDaniel, all things health-related for women. Good morning, this is Dr. McDaniel. It's Wednesday, uh, May 22nd, happy hump day. And this is the wrap up on the intrauterine devices or IUDs. Monday I spoke on copper IUD, Tuesday I spoke on hormonal progesterone IUD, and today I'm just going to give a general overview. I'll try to keep it short and concise. So IUDs or intrauterine devices, <coughs> sorry, are T-shaped uh, devices, usually plastic with hormonal, they look like plastic, uh, with hormonal um, medication embedded in it or with copper around uh, about it. They're about that large, and they're placed in the uterus, which is why they're intrauterine. The IUDs work, they're not, science hasn't actually defined why IUDs work. There's a lot of different, there's over 100 different types of IUDs. Some look like rings. The Chinese are um, classic for having a metal ring. Some look like fish. Some look like, um, little spirals or squiggly signs so they think it's just the presence of an a foreign object in the uterus that prevents impregnation uh, but the copper IUD they also feel that the copper element itself creates a hostile environment for implantation and with the progesterone um, we know that the lining inside the uterus becomes very thin so that creates a hostile environment because if a pregnancy were to occur with fertilization, it wouldn't become a full pregnancy because it can't implant in a rich, uh, lush lining in the uterus, endometrial lining. Uh, it's also thought that the hormonal IUD creates a thickened cervical mucus, so it decreases the concentration of sperm that can get into the uterus to potentially allow for fertilization, and that uh, is similar to a mucus plug, and that um, the hormone environment itself, uh, constant progesterone hormone, is just a hostile environment for fertilization and for impreg impregnation or implantation. The catch, of course, is that everyone still ovulates whatever their natural ovulation pattern is for the most part on the hormonal IUD, and everyone still ovulates on the copper IUD. Most women who have an irregular ovulation pattern will have a regular monthly ovulation pattern on the copper IUD. They're both equally effective for preventing pregnancy, which is 99.7, 99.8% effective. So highly effective. Of course, nothing's 100%. So a very, very small percentage of women will get pregnant despite having an intrauterine device or an IUD. If someone gets pregnant with an IUD, they should have that evaluated. If they have signs or symptoms, they should check it out to see if it's pregnancy. If it is, have it evaluated ASAP. If someone is pregnant with an intrauterine device, the majority of those pregnancies will be ectopic or tubal pregnancies, so they will have stopped in the tubes, never made it into the uterus because of that hostile intrauterine environment. If someone's pregnancy is discovered within the first five weeks, the majority of those could be treated with medication. If it's more than that, it's often uh, surgery if it's a tubal or an ectopic pregnancy. If it's an intrauterine pregnancy, then the IUD is always supposed to be removed immediately, and then the person determines what they're going to do with the pregnancy. <clears throat> 
all IUDs are supposed to be placed with the with the menstrual cycle. And that's because we know someone's not pregnant if they're on their cycle when we place the IUD. There have been tons of cases of people just placing the IUD on demand, getting a pregnancy test, and of course the pregnancy test was just a little bit too early to discover that the person was pregnant. Now in the past, we have recommended copper IUDs as a form of emergency contraception within the first 48 hours, the cat 48 to 72 hours max, and that's because it takes about three to four days on average, sometimes five, for the pregnancy to, for fertilization to occur in the tube, and then for the pregnancy to get into the uterus and to latch on. So there's that short window where someone could either take hormones, so emergency contraception pills, or place an IUD emergently to prevent implantation, create a hostile environment for a potentially fertilized egg. Ideally, everyone is supposed to get cultures done for chlamydia, gonorrhea, before the IUD is placed to confirm we're not pushing either of those infections potentially in anyone's uterus, giving them PID. And then we place the IUD with the menstrual cycle also because the cervix is more pliable, it's softer, it's more distensible. So when we have to place the trocar for the IUD, there's less pain and cramping because there's less stretching and dilatation of the cervix. Uh, the catch of the copper IUD is it is a stimulating element, so everyone will have heavier and longer cycles, usually two days longer, second, third, and fourth day, 50% heavier, and then more cramping is going to be a byproduct of that increased stimulation. The progesterone hormone IUD, Mirena, Kylina, Lilata, Skyla, uh, that was invented to ideally cut the cycles in half. So half the number of days, half the amount of flow, and less cramping. As I mentioned yesterday, the less cramping is not always, is often not going to pan out for a variety of reasons I mentioned yesterday. Catch with the hormonal IUD is the first six months is fair game for abnormal bleeding, unpredictably so, and anyone can potentially have random bleeding or spotting throughout the lifetime of that hormonal IUD because the progesterone hormone is trying to keep the uterus cleaned out as maximally as possible. Likewise, about 15% of women will have increased premenstrual symptoms or PMS with the hormonal IUD. The main ones that people are fed up with when they come in for the removal early of the hormonal IUD is emotional irritable angriness and uh, acne, face, chest, or back. The dermatologists always send them to the gynecologist to me because it's hormonal acne. Ideally, everyone is supposed to keep in the back of their mind that less than two, two, less than two to three percent of women will have an adverse event with the IUD. It's either going to expulse, get spat out, or it's going to pop through the uterus, perforate. So everyone has to be aware that that's a possibility. It's small, but someone's going to be in that number. I just had a, uh, a viewer yesterday send a message that she was told her IUD has perforated, punctured through the uterus. She couldn't feel it. She went to have it evaluated. They did a sonogram. They didn't see it. They did an x-ray. They found it in the pelvis, pelvic area. Now, she told, she said on the message that they told her this was fine. That's not fine. It's supposed to be removed. So unfortunately, it is surgery. It's day surgery, 
and it's with a camera laparoscopy we go in the belly see the IUD remove it with tiny little pickups and um, the procedure is usually like 20 minutes uh, but it is day surgery you're not supposed to have the IUD just sitting in the pelvis so I don't know why they told her she was fine I don't know I assume she was from this country but this is Facebook she could be from anywhere but I know I know in America you're not supposed to leave the IUD there if she made a choice and said I don't want the IUD removed I feel fine I understand you're recommending it but I'm not comfortable doing that that's on her because that's a is a free country free society you don't have to have surgery if you don't want to but the medical recommendation should have been for her to have it removed uh, we don't know if it's gonna become inflamed mat onto the intestines cause um, inflammatory constriction with the intestines because the intestines move be pulled away um, or cause an abscess if any kind of bacteria either from douching or from applying medication or even having intercourse during her menstrual cycle pushes bacteria up into the uterus out the tubes it could latch onto that foreign object cause an abscess in her pelvis so it's not wise if the IUD has punctured through the uterus it's perforated it's been identified in the body. It's not wise to leave it in place. And then let's see, uh, once we place the IUD, everyone is supposed to return in five weeks to confirm it's still really in place, check the string, check the placement. And then I recommend that everyone check their own IUDs for the strings for placement every month, either the first of the month, or as I tell people, the day of their birthday every month. Uh, it's quick takes about 30 seconds you just place um, one foot up on toilet rim or bathtub rim index the middle finger of whatever your dominant hand is place that in the vagina direct it to the small of your back you'll fill the cervix it feels like a little olive or a table grape or a grape tomato it's a little ball it'll be soft and then you just rub those two fingers around the cervix you'll feel the friction of the string it feels like cat whiskers to me of course it feels like suture material but for most people it feels like cat whiskers and then it should be soft nothing sharp give me two minutes please nothing sharp or painful i'm at the office so we're getting gonna get started for the morning and um, if it's soft you feel the string um, you're fine if you obviously don't feel the string then it should be evaluated or if you feel the string but you also feel something sharp or prickly or hard that's not normal it could be that the IUD is descending out of the uterus out the cervix you're feeling the string and then you're also feeling the tip or the butt of the T for the IUD so and then needless to say if you feel that needs to be evaluated so I hope that's been a helpful overview on IUDs, intrauterine devices. We only have two available here in the States, the hormonal and the non-hormonal, or the progesterone and the copper. Uh, there are tons around the world, but only those two are available for placement and approved by the FDA here in the States. I even had a patient once with a gold IUD that she brought with her from Turkey. Uh, that one didn't work out so well. Um, it ended up getting expulsed. So I hope that's been helpful. Today's Wednesday, hump day, May 22nd. This is Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner. 
please check out the YouTube channel. It's the same videos. I put them on the YouTube channel, but they're um, titled, you know, they're labeled by the date and what the topic is. So it's just easier to find things if you want to go there to search. And then if you have any questions or any ideas for topics, um, please let me know either on the YouTube or here on the Facebook and I'll present it tomorrow. Thursday, I'm going to start with which what is most likely going to be a little mini uh, series session on preterm labor, preterm delivery. One of the viewers uh, asked for information on that for her daughter who's had three preterm labor and deliveries, unfortunately. So I will start that tomorrow. And as I mentioned, I'm getting my wisdom tooth pulled this afternoon in between. I'm gonna see patients this morning. I'm gonna get my wisdom tooth pulled. It's been killing me for almost three weeks. Headache and jaw pain. Uh, so I'm getting this pulled. I have a huge cavity in it and uh, I'll be back tomorrow, but I might be talking funny. I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, I never had a tooth extracted, so hopefully I'll be able to deal. I had four kids, no pain medicine, no epidural. I had four natural deliveries, so if I can do that, I trust I can do anything. <laughs> um, thanks. Have a great rest of the day. Bye. Thank you for joining Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner. All things health-related for women. Please subscribe and join us again soon for another episode.